All right, I was making sure that I was on. <clears throat> I am, and you are too. Glad you're here. It's really good to see you. This is week two of our series, Selfless. We're going to be in this uh, for a total of four, a subject that uh, if you're brand new and you're thinking, I don't want to hear about anybody telling me to be selfless. Well, sorry. Jesus tells us uh, to have a little bit less focus on ourselves and follow him and see what that looks like, and so we're focusing on that. It actually is good for us. It actually makes you a better person and actually enjoy life more. More, but you'll have to be convinced on your own to see if that works as you follow Jesus in a more selfless way. New year, less me. Now, we live in a really strange culture right now. Uh, the culture is all about self-gratification, self-interest, and, and uh, actually self-promotion. The business world tells you self-promotion is an important art. You've got to learn how to do this. If you're going to climb the ladder, you've got to promote yourself. It's kind of interesting. Um, not really there, here to argue that, but we live in an interesting culture. There was a study done among teenagers. I'm not sure the cross-section or when, but it's really interesting to me, so I'm going to share some summary results. We live in a very interesting culture. According to one study, more than half of the teens, when asked what career they would want for themselves, they didn't pick a career so much as a status. 54% wanted to be a celebrity. Interesting. And the internet and how many people want to see your video is one avenue that people are pursuing to, to get more and more people to look at your YouTube video is one avenue. Asked how they plan to become famous, 21% said they will do so through reality TV. While 5% said they planned to date a celebrity. That's how they're going to do it. <clears throat> that might work. 68% did not know how to become famous, and less than 19% said they believed they had the talent to reach their goals. In other words, they want to be a celebrity. I have no talent. I don't have anything that... But I want to be a celebrity was kind of the 19%. They didn't have the talent, but they'd like to be a celebrity. I also learned about a new acronym in, in this process. Uh, the acronym is, I want to be a GOAT. What? I never heard of this before. I want to be a GOAT. This acronym stands for greatest of all time. And there's the, you know, the... Uh, the there's like the football goat and there's a basketball goat and the different, you know, particular player who is a goat. And so this is the avenue where they want to be a particular kind of goat. And I'm thinking, wow, I've been out of it. Anybody else hear about this acronym? I want to be a goat. Okay, so yeah, it's a thing, apparently. All right. Now, we're... Uh, looking at selfless, the theme verse for the entire series every four weeks is this teaching of Jesus, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. You see it? You see the selfless part there? To deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Today, we're zeroing in on an aspect of that, and here's a one-line teaching of Jesus. It's very profound. Here's this one line, Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. Now, I bet none of those goats were thinking that was the avenue. The greatest of all time, if you want to be the greatest of all time, the way to get there, the path to get there is not through stardom, not through celebrity, not through become the greatest in a particular thing where you're achieving, striving, going for it, to climb to the top and be the best. The greatest 
among you will be your servant. So today's topic is week two, faithful in service. Faithful in service. Now, before we move on, the greatest among you will be your servant. Now, when we hear that, here's what we hear. I'm going to correct it in a moment, but here's what we hear. Oh, you know what? I really should serve more. That's what we hear. I really should serve more. I, you know, it's kind of like we look at service as, you know, that's a, a nice thing we need to sprinkle into our lives, just a little seasonings here. Uh, I need to be more balanced, add a little service, a little service, because, you know, I really should serve a little bit here. That would be a good thing. And, and it's true. Studies say if you serve and you're becoming more selfless, you're going to be happier. So, you know what? I'm going to be happier. I'm going to serve a little. But that is not what Jesus is saying. It's far more radical, far more profound. Our focus for today is this. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. If you want to be the greatest, you need to be a servant. Do you see the difference? It's not just adding a little service to your life. It's a total reorientation of how you view who you are. I am a servant. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and become a servant. Oh, wow. This is a radical, different kind of way, total countercultural way of approaching life. We don't think of ourselves as servants if we're climbing the ladder for self, if we're into self-interest, if we're looking to uno, can't even say it, number one, that one, and just trying to raise yourself up. That is this culture. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God following Jesus, become a servant. Point number one, what am I known for? Am I known for being self-serving? Am I known for being, you know, self-promoting? Am I known for being all about self? Isn't it interesting, even in our culture, although that's kind of the push and teenagers want to be a celebrity and that's where things are going, when you think of it, no, I don't want to be known for that because think about it, if, if you're known for being self-serving and all about self and self-promoting, it's like, uh, it's like I was in a restaurant one time and I don't know whether the guy was uh, just really loud and kind of an actor type, or if he was really inebriated. I, I think he was really inebriated, and so he was really loud in this restaurant. And I had to chuckle because he said, <laughs> that's enough about you. Now, I, I want to hear about me. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, I, I think maybe he thought it was funny. Maybe he really, now, girls, if you're on a date, and a guy says, enough about you, let's talk about me. Doesn't that just endear you to him? You just want to be with him more and more? Isn't that funny that when we, we see it in somebody else, it's like, obviously we don't want to become like that, and yet we sort of act like we want to be more about me and more, you know, give me attention. And, and it's like, what am I known for? So you don't want to be known for that, but what are you really known for? Like, what are you known for? Like, are you always doing this and always doing that. I, I want to um, sh- jump right into a verse that everybody's talking about what this woman was known for, and, uh, and h- here's why. She was a servant. She was always serving. And here's the thing. People aren't really often even noticed 
if they're a servant? Think about it. How many of you really notice the servants? Now, here's when we do notice. We notice the servant when the servant is gone, missing. That's when we notice. Whoa, service just went bad. What's going on here? That's when we notice. But while they're serving, we don't even notice a servant. Here's a verse. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. I prefer the other name. Both mean... Both mean gazelle. So it's kind of a nice lady's name. I'd go with Tabitha. Anyway, she was always doing good and helping the poor. That's what everybody was saying about her. She's always doing good and helping the poor. You know why they were saying this about her? Because she had just died. So they're missing her. And they're all just crying out. In fact, they sent messengers to Peter in another town because Peter was doing some amazing works. They sent messengers to Peter. Tabitha just died. Can you come over here? And you need to read the rest of the story. I'll tell you a little sneak peek. Jump into Acts where Peter says, everybody out of the room, everybody out of the room. And he's in the room with a dead lady. She's laying on the ground. She says, Tabitha. He prays and prays and prays for us. Tabitha, wake up. And she does. It's like she raises from the dead. The story goes, I guess it, I guess it could go viral back then. The story goes viral, and then the movement, the Christian movement, this going with explosive power, story, word of mouth, boom, boom, boom. It just expands because of the amazing power that Jesus had that's now transferred to the disciples, and the disciples are carrying the same power in them through the Spirit, and now she's raised from the dead. Set that story aside. What we're really talking about is she was always, always doing good. What are we always doing? Here's the next slide. Get us, get us a thinking. If someone described your actions with the word always, what would others say that you were always doing? He was always working. She was always working out. He was always on his phone. She was always and always looking at her Facebook. Always. What would people say about you? She was always, he was always what? Fill in the blank. I have joy and sadness um, right now because uh, like Tabitha, we're missing somebody right now. And I've been missing this somebody for a couple weeks. Our only and last charter member went to be with Jesus. Ruth Ann Haney at 91 years of age on the last day of 2018 went to be with Jesus. And it was sudden, merciful, but sudden. And uh, um, I heard that she was with the people that were kind of giving her care on Saturday a couple of weeks ago, saying, I really want to go to church tomorrow. Really want. She went to church the previous week in a wheelchair. She had already received the news. She only had weeks. And uh, she really wanted to go to church. The next, and then, but she didn't wake up two weeks ago to go to church. She would, didn't come out of it. And... I heard after church that she hadn't woken up yet and she's groaning a little bit. And so I went right over to, to be with her and talk to her and interact with her. But she wasn't really interactive at that point. It was after church and she still hadn't gotten up and she was just kind of moaning, but peaceful. She would yawn. And it really comforted me because she was not in pain. And the people that were in the room um, left the room so I could spend some time with her. And I looked at her. You need to understand, she... I've been here 28 years. The first year I was here, I asked her to be my secretary. She was my secretary after retiring. She was my secretary for 16 years. And um, 
Always, always, always serving. That's just who she was. So I got in the room, and there she is. I'm not sure whether she can hear me. I said, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if she could hear me. They say hearing is the last to go. And so I just talked to her some more, prayed with her. And then the next morning, early in the morning, she went to be with Jesus. Now, I don't know if she heard me, but I know this. She heard her master. She heard her master say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And I just love it that God answered my prayers and said, can you just bring her home fast, without pain? And he did. So I want to tell you, I want to tell more stories about her on a week from Saturday, the 26th, if you knew her, even if you don't know her, you'd be very encouraged uh, to tell stories about how God used her. A never-been-married woman, 91 years old, just gave her all to serve Jesus, and we're going to hear about that. Now, there's tons of people like her in this church. She's not the only one that just serves and serves and serves. But we're going to talk about her in honor of Jesus on the 26th at 11 a.m. right in this room, okay? Just a little heads up there. Matthew 25, verse 23, is what I was quoting to her. This is what she heard from Jesus, I believe. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Point number two. How do I become one of those? How do I become one of those that somebody says he was always, she was always, and it's all about Jesus in some way. Always doing this and always doing that and always doing this. How do I become one of those servants that Jesus would say, well done, good and faithful servant? How do I become one of those? Well, we just heard a hint. We'll read the verse again. Next screen. Matthew 25, 23, I focused on one phrase. Now let's focus on the other. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Now the phrase, you have been faithful over a little. That's how. See, usually we think the way that you serve God is in big ways. We ought to really just look for those ways where it's just this, let's do a big thing for God. And a lot of times people, they don't know what to do because they, they don't have, I don't know, I can't, I, can't, I can't play the guitar up here like these guys. Man, they're amazing. I can't play the keyboard. I can't do the horn. I, I don't know. I really don't want to do the nursery. <laughs> and really, you don't want me to work with plugged in, you know, or, you know, and, and so you're, you, whatever place you're coming from, you think of all those areas you're just not cut out for, and you think, I'm really not cut out for this, not cut out for that. So, and, and yet, here, you are cut out for serving in little ways. You'll come up with little ways. So I want to help you figure out how to come up with little ways to serve. So the best way to do that, I'm going to have you fill in all the blanks first on your outline. Three object lessons that we're going to go through. Fill it all in or memorize it if you're not a write, writer. It's pretty easy. Bring a lunch, offer a ride, carry a towel. Here's how. We're going to do little things. That's how you shape who you are so that you become a servant. I'm saying this wrong. That's how God shapes who you are, shifts things inside by doing little things for him that he begins to transform you from a person that serves to a person who sees themselves as a servant and finds joy there, okay? And so bring a lunch, offer a ride, carry a towel. Now, we're gonna first focus on King David who was a, like the the epitome of the model of what 
Israelite king should be. They always compared him to King David. Now, he, had, he was human, so he had flaws and he mis- made mistakes. But when we think of King David, we think of a warrior. He began his warriorhood when he was just a teeny teenager. You think of the story he did what? He slayed a, a Goliath, right? By the way, that story is really cool. Take a look. I mean, it doesn't go... That's not the sound, okay? Here's the sound. It's stuck in his forehead. I don't know if you knew that. Look it up. The stone stuck in Goliath's forehead. You got this frozen moment. Goliath's calling him a dog. You're going to send me a little kid. The little kid takes a stone and he goes... Rocked the world. And everybody goes... Little teenage kid. Okay? So let's go to the next slide. Next slide. Why was King David great? Most people think King David was great because he won the battle. And he won a whole bunch of battles. And he's known for that. Great king, man after God's own heart. But maybe it was because he brought a lunch. All right, so I brought a lunch today. We're going to be here a while. I just thought I'd be ready. And brought a lunch today. This is the object lesson. I want to show you where I get that. All right? We're going to jump into 1 Samuel. The story reads like this. Now, David, you understand, he is the youngest among eight brothers. One day, Jesse, his father, said to David, take this basket of roasted grain, these 10 loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. His brothers are off in the glory of fighting the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. David is at home. His dad wants him to do a servant's job. Okay, I'll take them to lunch. That's a pretty... I like this lunch, roasted grain, granola, okay, 10 loaves, granola and buns, and slices of cheese, only you don't get to eat the cheese, that goes to the captain, all right, so he's serving, this little thing leads to the bigger thing, he didn't go to slay a giant, he was faithful to bring a lunch, which led to the occasion of slaying a giant. He is faithful to watch over his sheep, serve the flock, where he learns other skills like sling and other things. And faithfulness builds to other bigger things. That's the point. So here's the next screen. Do you want to win the battle? First, you have to bring a lunch. So serve a lunch. That's not that hard. Serve somebody. You don't have, a, have to have great skill to serve in that way. The way you are promoted in the kingdom of God is never by self-promotion. It is always by serving. In this world, you want to climb a ladder? Promote yourself. Learn the art. Learn the skill. Climb, climb, climb. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, nah, that's not the way. The way, if you want to be great in the kingdom, is step down, step down, step down, and serve. All right. So, bring a lunch. Offer a ride. Now, how hard is that? You got this sweet ride. Zechariah tells a story about a sweet ride that's going to come 500 years later when Jesus arrives. Jesus is going to arrive in Jerusalem, Zechariah says, not like you'd expect. He's not going to come in on this sweet white war horse, conqueror and victorious. He's not going to come riding in on the chariot. He's going to come in mildly on a donkey colt. Now here's the story. 
Jesus, when it's about time to enter into Jerusalem, to proclaim himself the fulfillment of this prophecy, he tells the disciples, okay, you show up on such and such a street, go around the corner, there's going to be a donkey colt tied there. Untie the donkey colt and bring it to me. Oh, oh, hold on. If there's somebody that sees you, the owner sees you untying that colt, you make sure you say to him, the Lord has need of it. They go, all right. So they go and serve. They go untie the colt. And the guy said, what are you doing? What are you doing untying that colt? They say, the Lord has need of it. And then we read, okay, so here's the verse, Luke chapter 19, verse 31. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Now, here's, here's how this sweet ride thing works. This never been ridden donkey, low mileage, okay? Um, the owner of this low mileage vehicle totally is like, oh, the Lord needs it? Go for it. It's like, wow, I don't know this businessman's name. I have no clue anything about him at all, but he makes it in the book. He's like famous forever. And this donkey, here's another piece that's kind of interesting to me. I don't know a lot about donkeys. Never ridden a donkey. Oh, yeah, maybe I have. Anyway, if you have a never-been-ridden donkey colt, what do you think that first ride is going to be like? And yet, and yet, Jesus gets on this never-been-ridden donkey colt, sweet ride, and the donkey goes, oh, you're the Lord, I'll serve you. If a donkey is going to serve Jesus, I can too. And become famous in heaven. In, in heaven, so this guy that we don't know any names, he goes, and, and talking to my mom and dad, he says, who are you? Oh, I'm in the book. <laughs> Remember the donkey story in Jerusalem? That was my donkey. Really? That's so cool. And we talk, 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 talk. All right, so, okay, whatever. I don't know if self-promotion in heaven is okay, but it sounds like fun. Anyway, well done, good and faithful servant, is what was said to him, I'm sure, too, right? Here we go. So bring a lunch, offer a ride, and take up your towel. Now, who wants to be the servant taking up the towel? We're going to jump into John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, we read this. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. How many of you have heard that story? All right, you're going, I know this one. All right, hold on, hold on. If you're just going, yeah, I know this one, you don't know this one. Here's what you got to know. Awkward. Can you imagine? You're at this celebration of a religious feast, Passover. It's all about honoring Jesus, and you're all together around the table eating this religious feast. It's all holy and really supposed to be really. And then Jesus, Jesus gets up and he starts taking his clothes off. Did you catch that? Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. You know, when you take off your outer clothing, that means you're standing in your underclothes. <laughs> totally awkward. If you haven't seen that, you need to see it. It's awkward. What is Jesus doing here? Okay, backstory, a little back up behind the culture. Culturally, if you invite people over to your house and you're doing a feast thing and they're all gathered and you're, they, it's cold outside, it's hot inside, you go, can I take your coat? That's what we do. Take the coat, hang it up, Okay. In their culture, when you're walking behind the donkey, you may have been sweet-smelling, just fully bathed, you're going to celebrate, but now look at your feet. Uh, 
bad. In their culture, you go to a feast, the servant washes your feet off because you're eating around a table and the next guy's feet is right by your face and you're eating. So washing the feet off is a courtesy. Can I take your coat? It's a little bit better than that. But in this case, the disciples who are all about jockeying for position, which goat will I be, right? Jockeying about position. I want to sit on the right. I want to sit on the left. Who are you going to sit? I want to, he loves me more. John even calls himself, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, in his writings, they're all jockeying for that, right? And nobody jockeys for the lowest position to serve anybody by washing their feet. There's no servant. Oh, crud. Uh, oh, well. And then Jesus gets up. Awkward. Now, this is not just about washing feet. This is a picture of Jesus' whole being. He left glory, took off his glory, and is naked before us, serving our needs as a servant of all, washing us totally in humiliation, hanging as the servant of all on the cross. This is bigger than just washing feet, but he's saying, I've got to wash you. And now, imitate me. Serve in this way. Take the bottom position to serve. Take up the towel. The way you become great in the kingdom of God is not by self-promotion. It is always by serving. Towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he finishes with a story. He tells lots of parables. He says, when the Son of Man comes back in glory, he's going to separate people like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Do you remember the story? He gets into great detail. He says to them, to the sheep, you clothed me. You fed me. Thank you. You visited me while I was sick. You visited me while I was in prison. You took care of my needs. Thank you. And the sheep go, when did we do that? He says, whenever you did it to one of these least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And then he says to the goats, why didn't you feed me? Why didn't you clothe me? Why didn't you provide for me? Why didn't you visit me while I was sick? Why didn't you visit me while I was in prison? They say, we never saw you. What what do you mean? When were you this? When were you that? And he says to the goats, whenever you didn't do it for the least of these brothers of mine, you didn't do it for me. And then he concludes, it's more than a story, he concludes that that separation of the sheep from the goats, he's talking about people, that separation is eternal. When you love me enough to serve those people I came to serve and love, you choose to love me, and by your choosing to love me, you're with me forever. When you do not even love me or what I love enough to love them, you're choosing not to love me, and you're going to choose to not love me forever. That was the story. And it's a powerful image of the separation from those who are willing to serve and those who want to be the greatest. If you're serving yourself and you're climbing the ladder and you're trying to be all about me and you're not looking at those people beneath you, you're not following Jesus. Even if you're climbing a religious ladder, this is what Jesus is telling us. So if you think you can't do much, remember that in the kingdom of God, little things are big things. Now, I'm going to take a couple of minutes here and go over because I want to just drill this home. 
Service is something you practice so that you can allow God to shape you. I encourage you to grab a regular service to practice serving. And there are so many of you who are doing this already. You are signed up. You have regular service opportunities. You're signed up and you serve in the nursery. You serve with uh, Pulse or Plugged In or Security or or medical staff, or, you know, you're serving. And sometimes you don't feel like it, but you're serving Jesus. Jesus connects it to whenever you're doing it, for any of these little ones, you're doing it for me. We are building a church on the shoulders of faithful servants who served for years. Ruth Ann is just one of hundreds. And now we're here building service on top of their shoulders so that the kingdom can expand and the movement brings glory to Jesus. Whenever we do something for a little one, we're doing it for Jesus. It gets very personal. But we practice this by signing up for regularity. Now, there's also, as we practice it, our eyes become open as we listen because Jesus shows up and he's gonna show up in your life today and tomorrow. And the next day, have your eyes open. The least of these, somebody that needs Jesus, somebody that needs you, somebody that needs love, somebody that needs service, somebody that needs a ride, somebody that needs a lunch, somebody that needs to be clothed, somebody that needs something little from you is going to be approaching you today. And if you think there are nobody in Jesus' eyes, that just is not true. When you serve those nobodies, when you serve those least of these, Jesus says, I take this personal. You are showing that you love Jesus me because I've done this for you. This is how we live a life of thank you, a life of love. We're going to finish with this prayer. I'm going to read it for you so you can consider it. Dear Lord Jesus, you humbled yourself to serve me. You took off your glory to wash me clean. You loved and served me, so I want to love and serve you by serving others. I am your servant reporting for duty. Help me to have eyes wide open to the works you prepared for me today. In your name and for your glory, amen. Would you stand with me? If you're willing to pray that prayer, you're basically asking the Lord Jesus by his spirit to help you to want to serve. Apart from him, you can do nothing that's eternally significant. So you're asking him to help you. And now you begin to have eyes wide open to see that, you know what, this is significant. It's little, but it's significant. If you're willing to pray that prayer, join me. Ready? Out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, you humbled yourself to serve me. You took off your glory to wash me clean. You loved and served me, so I want to love and serve you by serving others. I am your servant reporting for duty. Help me to have eyes wide open to the works you prepared for me today. In your name and for your glory, amen, amen. All right, we got prayer team to the right of the stage. If you have a need, they're there to serve you, and you can have them pray for you. If you're a guest today, we encourage you to walk across the hallway and, and grab a packet. If you are considering Connect Life, we encourage you to walk across the hallway, sign up. This is the last day to sign up. And I hope to see you next week for the third installment of Selfless.